Hi, it's, it's lovely to see so many people out at the beginning of caravan season, so thanks for, for going your caravan for the weekend. Um, you know that um, we have been working on this series, Blessed to be a Blessing, and this morning is when, when the whole thing comes to a close, but we've been exploring the thread of blessing throughout the whole Bible. And we have seen that from the beginning of the Old Testament that God's intention was to bless the whole of creation and all of humanity and fill the earth with himself. If that's one statement that we can summarize the whole series with, that, that's kind of it. And I'm not sitting down just yet. Um, but we define the blessing of God as this. Am I winning? This is going to beat me this morning, Johnny, so make sure you're on standby. It's the bestowing of abundant divine love and power to bring about fruitfulness, multiplication, and filling. And from all of our teachings so far, hopefully you've picked up on the fact that God's heart is always invitational. All right? He always invites us to partner with him in this mandate to bless the whole world. But then we discovered how through the fall, the channel in which the blessing would flow, it became fractured. And, and humanity as a whole, I suppose, became consumed more with what we were blessed with rather than the one who blesses. And we saw through the story of Abram uh, that the seed of promise it begins to take root through him and through his descendants. And that God's dream to bless and to multiply and to see it reproduced is how his blessing was always meant to unfold. Because the heart of Yahweh to fill and be fruitful and to multiply, it pours out when God speaks. And that's where we're going this morning. It, it pours out when God declares that all nations will be blessed through Abraham and through the generations that we're going to follow after him. And then we learned how Jesus arrives on the scene and he was this perfect embodiment of what the blessing should actually look like in a person. He was the one who understood how to live in the fullness of God daily. And we saw how in the Sermon on the Mount, we are to be completely dependent on God in all areas of our life. We circled around that verse, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that just means we have to relinquish control of everything to God. So then Jesus instructed his disciples and he set up the early church to become what God always wanted for humanity right back at the beginning of creation, which was a family. He just wanted a family of people through which the blessing of God could be stewarded to the rest of the world. And remember, he set up the early church as this community who would reflect the heart of God. And, and, and again, over the last couple of weeks, we have arrived at that place where there were no needy people at all. We saw that in the book of Acts because everyone was so willing to surrender what they had for God. And so Jesus has invited us. And I love that. You know, we're not here on a Sunday just because this all, you know, is the right thing to do on a Sunday morning. There's purpose in this. So he's invited us into this position to partner with him in the work of heaven. And, and we've kind of landed over the last couple of weeks about how that always, always begins with a place of surrender of everything that we have. So that means our homes, that means our family, that means our income, that means, this one's a bit harder, our attitudes, our religiosity and our prejudices, they all need surrendered to him. And in a lot of ways, what I've kind of taken out of the series so far is that this is a call to a higher level of trust, but a much deeper level of relationship and surrender to Jesus. But it's the only way that we get to enter into the full force of the blessing because we realize that it's not about us at all, actually. It's about so much more than just us. Because God's design for the church 
is that it would always embody and reflect the fullness of this original mandate, which is to fill everything on earth with every kind of blessing. And he wants to fill the whole earth through us. That's pretty pretty staggering, isn't it? And so this is where I want to kick off from this morning. That was like Christmas to Easter in a page and a half, all right? So this morning, I want to try and bring everything together by unpacking how we as a church can steward the blessing of God through our words. And, and I, I should say as a disclaimer before we start, the, as I prepared this, the work that's been done in my own heart um, before I even have had the chance to utter a word. I've got to be transparent with you about that. Um, it's, been, it's been quite a couple of weeks. Um, but you see, God, um, see, we see in, in, in Genesis, right from the very beginning of the Bible, that he actually is the one who speaks creation into being. Like the very first chapter of the Bible is when God wants to communicate with his words. That's the authority. That's the influence of his spoken word. Deep within just the way he communicates his life, words are meant to be life-given. The very words spoken by him, we could say, are the origin of everything. With his word in Genesis 1, he said, it says, and God said let there be light, and so on. But like we notice in Genesis 1 as well that, that he not just declares things, he doesn't just create things with his words, but that he also declares blessing. And if you do a quick read through of Genesis 1, I, what I can see, and if, if I'm wrong, you can let me know, but I, I find two instances specifically where he declares blessing. And, uh, and he declares it, I don't know why, I'd love to maybe do a bit of more of a study on this, but he declares it on the fish and the birds. He declares blessing on the fish and the birds, but he also declares blessing on humanity. There must be something in it that I haven't got yet. But, uh, but I couldn't help but notice God's reaction when he blessed. It says that he was delighted. He was pleased to bless what he had made. He was happy to speak blessing over it because it was unfolding the way he had always wanted it to. And in a lot of ways, we can parallel Genesis 1 with John 1 where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So we know that Jesus is the Word, okay? And so when God speaks blessing over creation, I imagine that he is speaking Jesus' name over creation. That's what I picture when he does that. Because remember, he is the one, Jesus is the one, he embodied the blessing, and he comes to show us how far-reaching and how impactful words of blessing can be. Now, I know um, there are some in the room who are a lot more educated around this area than I am, but, um, but I wanted to give you a wee bit of science kind of around this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and I came across this neurologist from America called Dr. Andrew Newberg. And he's done a lot of studies into what happens in the brain when people participate in religious experiences. So for example, when you pray, when you worship, when you maybe speak in tongues and things like that, they've done scans on the brain and they see all the different things that fire off in the brain. But he says this statement, and, and I love it. He says, a single word, one word, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. So if you're ever in any doubt about the influence that the words that you speak have, I, can, I think this kind of summarizes the whole thing well, because words, they get into us, they get into our thoughts, they get into our brains, they get into our belief, but actually more than that, Dr. Newberg actually argues that they get into the physical expression of the biological structures within our body. So 
knowing that, it's really important that we look at this morning. How, how does God bless with his words, okay? So we can see that Genesis is just full of it, all right? He, it's full of him pronouncing blessing upon people, and it starts off with Adam. And then it gets to Noah, and the list goes on. Abram, Sarah, Isaac, Ishmael, Rebecca, Jacob, Joseph. And interestingly with Joseph, it's not just contained to him because he also blesses Pharaoh through Joseph, you see, God's blessing is always meant to spill out beyond just his followers. It's always meant to go beyond us. It's not to be contained. And if you can remember right back at the start, the real thrust of our whole series has been around the blessing that God spoke over Abraham. And he speaks again. He's using his words and he declares blessing into and over Abraham's life with purpose. It's not just because he thought, oh, I like you and I'm going to bless you. There was a purpose to it. He knew that Abraham would steward it well. He knew that Abraham would set in, help to set in motion this flow that would go down through all of the generations. But it actually began right back with God saying the words. And he places the responsibility on Abraham to steward it well. Because if you can remember this, our, we, we looked at stewardship a little bit as well. The central essence of biblical stewardship is managing everything that God brings into our lives in a manner that, that honors God but also that impacts eternity. I don't believe that God ever does anything for it not to have an ongoing effect. And so as followers of Jesus, we have to include our words in that. If we're going to tell the world that we love him and that we're living for him, we have a responsibility to steward our words well. So how do we honor God and how do we impact eternity with our words? So the first thing that I want to say to that is, we're, as humans, we're made in God's image. And so if his words have power, and if his words have impact and are far-reaching, it would be a wee bit naive of us to think that ours don't have some kind of influence as well. Now, I'm not saying that you can say, you know, let there be a lion, and a lion just appear. That's not, that's not where I'm going with this. But we also have to realize as well that he always intended that our words would have impact. Bo Sanchez says this. He says, Bo Sanchez is, on, is away on down here. Where is he? There he is. There's Bo. He says, words have power. Words created the universe. Everything started with the word. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word. And in the same way, your words have creative power. And, and what I've felt as this message has come together over the past couple of weeks is that it's, it's an invitation from God for us to be creative with our words. What environments, what cultures, what beliefs are we helping to create in the people around us with our words, that's been a big challenge to me. What inner dialogue are we encouraging in everybody around us in our relationships, in our families, in our kids, in our workplaces, in our church, even in our city? Are our words healthy or are they destructive? Now, I'm not saying that you can't be honest. That's not what this is, right? This is not a talk on like positive words and negative words. And if something needs called out, that's really important. And it's important to have accountability, okay? That's really, really, <laughs> I, I just don't want anybody to go out of here thinking that, that that's where, where I'm coming from this morning. That's not it. But I want to give you a wee example of, of how words can have impact. 
Um, the highlight of my week is swimming lessons with the kids, all three of them, one after the other. It's amazing. It's the best time of the week. And uh, <laughs> I just come out <laughs> roasted. But um, one week we were at the pool and, um, and, and one of our boys um, overheard a conversation between a mummy and a wee preschool kid at the vending machine. You know those delights that are vending machines? Um, and... Uh, and the mum, you know, bless her, she'd bought this wee kid a drink and um, probably cost her about a fiver. And, um, and, and in his childishness, because he was just a wee thing, he spilt it. How many of us have been there? It happens daily in our house. And boy, your head's fried, isn't it? Like I'm exasperated. The amount of time Stephen and I have to look at each other and just say, don't say anything, just get a towel, you know. Um, but the wee kid, he spilt his drink. And the poor mummy's head was probably pickled. But... I'm not saying this to judge the mummy, I hope you know that. Um, but she said, you're just a dumb kid. That's what she said to him. Now, I don't know what impact those words had on her child, but I can tell you that they had a big impact on mine. And he told me this story and he started to cry <laughs> because he realized in that moment how creative those words were to that wee boy. And it really disturbed him and it really upset him. Now, please know we do not always get this right in our house. There are some um, less than <laughs> positive words said at times. So again, I'm not saying that to judge, but, it, but I do want you to know that, that's, that sometimes we have to really be careful and guard our tongue. And so I wanted to do this this morning, and I hope that um, I just felt there was an invitation from the Holy Spirit on this. Um, it's maybe not what we always do in church, but I, I, just, I hope you'll come with me on it. I just wanted to ask you, what words have defined you over the years? What words have been really standout moments that they've stuck with you their whole life? And they could be really positive words. They could have been really life-giving words that you've had spoken over you that have actually helped steer the course of your life. But there could be some people here this morning and you've had something just said about you or said over you that you just can't shake. And it's clung to you your whole life. And it's become a stumbling block and it actually inhibits your gifts. So would you do this with me this morning and would you just reflect a wee second, okay? Because I'm going to pray in a wee minute. If you're somebody who has had something really positive that has just helped define you, spoken over you, I'd love you to thank God for that person in a minute, all right? I'd love you to um, reflect upon how that has shaped your life. And I'd love you to even invite the Holy Spirit to come and inspire you in these moments about how you could be creative in a similar kind of way with stewarding, blessing with your words. I'd love you to do that. But if you're someone who has had negative words spoken over you this morning, as I pray, I'd love you to picture yourself forgiving the person, first of all. And then I'd love you to picture the thing falling off you. All right? And even no remnants behind and I'd love you to picture the words that I'm going to pray coming upon you and those things sticking on you this morning. All right, so can we pray? Can we pray? Jesus, we thank you for the word. We thank you that, that his name is Jesus. And we thank you that, that it's in his name that we can come this morning. And Jesus, we, we praise you for those creative, life-given words that have been spoken over so many of us. And we, we, we thank you, God, that those have been stewarded so well. And we pray this morning that you would release creativity into our hearts and into our minds around this area. But this morning, 
we also want to bring into the light those words that have had the opposite effect. Those words that have caused destruction in us. Those words that have inhibited our growth and our transformation that have become a stumbling block to us. And we pray that they would fall off in the name of Jesus. And we speak his word over everyone this morning. Today we choose to believe what you say about us. That we are precious. That we are beloved. That we are your masterpiece. That we are bought with a price. That we are more than conquerors. And that we are new creations. Holy Spirit, would you help us to choose today to believe what you say about us and to live into the fullness of that. In Jesus' name. Amen. You see, I just really felt over the past few weeks that it was really important that we kind of had like a, a spiritual osteopathy done, if that's the way to put it, so that, that there could be a, 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 a less jarred flow, if that's the way to put it, um, within us so that we could help steward the blessings of God through our words in a healthy way. Because when we look at how God stewarded words and used words in the Bible, there's three common themes come out. Now, I might have to go back. There's Johnny's the hero saving the day again. He, God creates life with, with his words. For the sake of time, I'm not going to cross-reference it, but you can read it for yourself. God creates life. We've got that one so far. But he also sustains life with his words. But he does more than that. And I love this one. He transforms life. He transforms life with his word. You see, we have to ask ourselves, do we do this too with our words? Do we do this? Do our words create, sustain, and transform life? Or, and do they impart the blessing of God in the way that he wants it to flow? Or do they do the opposite? And like I say, I've, I've felt some correction in this area myself. I've had to ask myself this question. Have, have the people and the circumstances, and I have them, <laughs> that I find challenging, have they had blessings spoken over them? Now, I'm going to tell you that sometimes, yes, they have, but honestly, not all the time. That's the truth. There's no point in me standing here saying we all need to be careful with our words when I haven't always been. And so I have had a choice to make over the past couple of weeks. I've had a choice to make about that. Now, I do want you to know that I haven't really felt any um, shame because that's not God's way. I haven't felt condemnation, but I have felt correction, okay? And the Holy Spirit has invited me to join in with him on that process. And so this morning, I want you to know that you shouldn't feel condemned either. This is just the Holy Spirit's way of bringing some things to the surface to make us more like Jesus, and that's a part of sanctification. That's a part of what it is to follow him. So our words can, can either help create, sustain, and transform life, or... I've got to call it because we're all grown-ups and we've got to own this wee bit. They can do the opposite. They can destroy. They can inhibit the goal that God has to bless humanity and fill the world with his presence. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to partner with that. That's not who I want to be. Look at Proverbs. Johnny, when you find Proverbs for me. <laughs> Look at Proverbs 18. It says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right word brings satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You see, the words that we say, they can either encourage and build up and call out the treasure and the people and the people that we know and in the circumstances that we see to help nourish their souls and to help nourish the community around us. But equally, our words can damage, they can wound, they can inflict pain, and they can just be all around destructive, really. Solomon here, you know, he's trying to teach us that 
that it's important how we steward our words. He says that we're going to reap the consequences of them. So what do, what do we want to reap? If we're the type to speak words that encourage growth and see the best and see all of the possibilities that are inspired by the imagination of heaven, that's when we're speaking life. But if we're prone to gossip, if we are the kind who say things about others that we wouldn't want said about ourselves or, or that we wouldn't want them to hear us saying, um, if we're prone to criticizing, and if we always see the worst and speak it out, we're speaking death. Like, like there's no other way to put that. We're speaking death over the blessing that God wants to steward into people and circumstances around us. Bruce Walt says this. He says, the deadly tongue disrupts community and by its lethal power, it isolates its owner from community and it kills him. But look at this bit. The life-given tongue creates community. It creates community. And its vitality gives its possessor the full enjoyment of the abundant life within the community. Isn't that what Jesus comes to give us? Abundant life. And so we have to be really careful with this. And James 3, if you want something extra, James 3 says this, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. You see, Jesus gets to the heart of it. And I, I love, I love Jesus's, you know, straight talking. I love that about him. You know, he's, he, he just, he doesn't miss and hit the wall. When he's talking to the Pharisees, he says, he says, the intrinsically good man produces what is good and honorable and moral out of the good treasure stored in his heart. And the intrinsically evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. So really, if you want to take it to a whole other level, our words are our thoughts just spoken out loud, aren't they? And so the deeper challenge, again, that I've had to, to own up to, and that I feel that the Holy Spirit wants to bring us this morning, is what are we storing in our hearts? What are we giving room to grow in there? You see, Craig Rochelle says, he says, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And again, I felt the challenge of that. What is my inner dialogue? Am I satisfied with the direction that my thoughts are taking me? Because out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth speaks. So, <laughs> sorry, that all is a bit heavy. But I want to show you, having reflected upon ourselves, how does God do it? Because he is our model as to how he does this so beautifully. Now, we've sung it this morning, and you, many of you will know the benediction of the priestly blessing really well. But in number six, God is instructing the priests to speak blessing over the nation of Israel. But the, 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 the meaning in, in this is just stunning. Here it is. The Lord said to Moses. So there God's speaking already. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. You see, God was instructing the priests to speak this blessing over the Israelites for the journey ahead into the promised land. And he was giving them the actual words to say, if you want to bless somebody, say this. And it was, it's beautiful. When you see what it means? The context of this is they've just come out of Egypt. They're really struggling with their slavery mindset. 
they moan and complain and say, if we'd have just stayed in Egypt, life would have been so much better. Would have had food there. And they were complaining about the leadership and they were complaining about the journey and they literally were complaining about everything. Moses is amazing. I don't know how he stuck it. I couldn't have. And God was trying to move them from a slavery mindset into what was only meant to be a very brief wilderness experience. They were meant to be there for 11 days. <laughs> they were there for 40 years. There was a lot of deep work that needed to happen for them to be able to move into the promised land. But the promised land was the embodiment of the fullness of the blessing that God had for them. And he wanted to move them away from this critical slavery mindset into the fullness of his blessing. And so this prayer was to be spoken by the priests over them to help prepare them for all that was to come. And what I'd love to invite you to do this morning is picture yourself declaring this with your words and, and all that this means over the people that we meet every day, over the broken and the marginalized and the hopeless and unloved people that we encounter in, in every area of our life. Here's what it, what it means, okay? The Lord bless you. So the Hebrew word for bless, and this is this word barak, and, uh, and the picture that this conjures up is of a camel that's laden with gifts. And you know when you see them and they have to kneel down so that the gifts can be taken off them? That is what God is doing before us. Like God, who made the world, is kneeling before us to give us material and spiritual gifts. So the very first line where it says, the Lord bless you. Our Heavenly Father is leaning before us to bless us. And keep you is the next part. And the Hebrew word here is shamar. And it, again, is this posture of kneeling. And, and, uh, and what God is doing here is he's kneeling down to draw us into an embrace. You know the way you do with your child and you pull them in? And the picture that this creates is like a shepherd has created a wall around his sheep. And around the top layer of the wall, he's actually placed a load of thorny brambles so that the predators can't get in. So when God is drawing you in into an embrace, he is protecting you. The, the enemy can't get into that. There is a beautiful protection in that. So when he keeps you, he's still kneeling to protect you. And then the next part is, the Lord make his face shine upon you. And so he's still in this embrace, but he's leaning back now to look at you full in the face. And I love this Hebrew word because I can pronounce it without looking like an agent. It's or. And, uh, and, and what that Hebrew word shine is, it's um, bring an order in the darkness. You know when you go into a dark room and, and you don't know what, where any of the furniture is and you flick the light on and all of a sudden you know what's going on. And that's what this word means. So when God makes his face to shine upon us, he makes sense of the things that we can't make sense of. He gives us revelation of our destiny and our purpose. And actually, interestingly, the plural word for God in this here is it speaks of the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity giving their full attention to you in this moment. And then the next part, and be gracious to you. Again, it's the Hebrew word Hanan, and it's an image of two parties, one with this extravagant gift to give, and the other party is, is desperately in need of the gift. And so when God is being gracious to us, he has given us his his unmerited but nevertheless unlimited love. And it's not something that we um, have earned. Um, it's just something that he gives out of his generous, compelling mercy. 
and then it gets to the Lord turn his face towards you. And, and the Hebrew word is the, the word NASA. And it's a verb, so it's something that God is doing. He's being active in these moments, right? And, and it's where, you know when you then stand up from your kid and you lift them up? And you're giving them your full attention because you're looking right at their face. And so the Lord, when he is turning his face towards us, is giving us his full attention and his presence. And it just speaks to comfort, doesn't it? It speaks to him carrying us. And it speaks to close relationship. And I think out of it all, this is my favorite part. Because it says, I'm give you peace. Now, a lot of you know the word peace is shalom in Hebrew. But it's not necessarily about an absence of conflict. What this word peace means, particularly in this context, is wholeness. It means full flourishing. It means the abundant life that Jesus talks about. When God gives us peace, he wants us to be whole. Cornelius Plantinga, isn't that a cracker name, isn't it? Cornelius Plantinga says, he says in the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. I love this bit. Shalom, in other words, it's the way things ought to be. It's the way he made it. It's the way he always wanted it to be. And you might think, well, that's great and that's nice to know that, but what does that mean for us? Well, God directed Aaron and his sons, who were the priesthood, to declare this blessing over the Israelites. That was their role and responsibility. But we can see in the New Testament, through Jesus and in the New Covenant, that we are integrated into this priesthood. But you're a chosen people, in First Peter it says, you are a royal priesthood. This is us now. Revelations 1.6, it says, God has made us to be a kingdom and priests. This is our role and our responsibility as the church of God. We are to declare the blessings just like this with our words. The priestly blessing was this revelation to Israel. And because of the slavery mindset that these guys all were processing and working their way through, they weren't re quite ready for the fullness of the blessing that God wanted to give them in the form of the promised land. And they needed to hear this blessing spoken over them time and time again to be sustained and be transformed by this word. It's actually believed that it was spoken every day at the sacrifice in the temple. That's how much it needed to get into them. And the repetition, I think, was kind of God's way of just making sure that they aligned themselves with who he said they were rather than listening to all of their insecurities. That You know, we all have them. They just come up. You know, the imposter syndrome. You know, all of that stuff. I'm not good enough. And why are they doing that and I'm not? You know, all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. He wanted to equip them to handle the blessing well. And, and like not much has changed from then to now because we're all still like that, aren't we? And if you're not, just ask somebody beside you and they'll probably take great pleasure in telling you that, that that's the case. You see, Roy Godwin says this. He says, God placed into the mouths of the priests the power to speak words that caused God to unleash transformational, there it is again, transformational life-changing blessings upon the people. And this is in line with our understanding that when people on earth are in agreement with the word of, from heaven, the power of the age to come is released in the here and now on earth. Guys, what if, what if we believed that our words could prepare the people and the nation around us for the fullness of the inheritance that God wants to give out so that they could appropriately steward and multiply everything that God is just waiting 
just waiting to pour out. We gotta make sure our alignment's right on that first. So then we can steward this creative, sustaining and transformational blessing of God with our words. Because I, I have never been more convinced of this. We've got the answer. Everything is a mess, isn't it? It's just a mess out there. When you see how people are trying to sort out problems, you're just like, no, we've got the answer. It's Jesus. We've got the answer. Jeremiah 29, 7 says this, and I'm nearly finished. If you think like this is all like, yeah, well, that's all great, you know, and, and, um, and I hear what you're saying, but I don't know what I can do about it. Here's what Jeremiah 29 says. It says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the, to the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you, will, you too will prosper. I want to I wanna finish off with what Lisa Bevere says, because she has so much more wisdom on it than I have. She says, we're not a people called to echo the words of the culture. We're not a people called to criticize but we are a people called to prophesy order into our chaos and hope into our despair. And so our vision is to see the story of the city and our land completely transformed and rewritten by Jesus. And we have the answer. And so I think this is our watch. I think all along God has been inviting us into this process where we see that we have the responsibility at the moment. So, so what is it that we are using our words to do? That's where I want to leave you this morning. Are we using them to creatively sustain and help transform our city and our nation to live into the fullness of the blessing of God, to help change the narrative? Are we doing that? If not, let's give it a go, shall we? Shall we pray? God, we just thank you that in your word, you give us the perfect example. You show us that you want to create life and you want to speak blessing over everything that you have made. And God, we know that you've made our nation. We know that you've made the people in it. And Father, we pray for your word to flow out, for words of blessing to flow out from our hearts, God. But may we first be in alignment with what you say. God, help us to be creative. Help us to help bring that transformational life that you long to bring into our, into our nation and into our city, but even into our individual lives. In Jesus' name, amen.